0: welcome to the matt morgan coaching podcast the fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life love and leadership to the next level Hello, my friends. It's Matt Morgan. Welcome back to a brand new podcast. And if you're listening where this just came out, it's the love month. It's Valentine's month. And so if you got a special someone in your life, one of the things I want to recommend and invite you to do is go to the mattmorgan.com page and go to the online coaching experience and you can see your relationship go from good to great or from bad to better and great resources for you. And a lot of people who take it realize, oh my gosh, this helps me with my my relationship with myself and at work. And so it's transferable to any interpersonal relationship. So I want to encourage you to do that given this month. And today I have a special guest with me as we unpack Enneagram Type 3. And I have with me today, my good friend, Narup Alphonse. Narup, thanks for coming, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. The audience can't tell. They hear your sultry voice, but you have a sexy face to go along
0: with it. So <laughs> they, they can't see that right now, but I can see it and it's inspiring. Well, likewise, I think that's that's why we're friends, brother. So, you know, Naroop is Indian and people always ask feather or dot. Always, <laughs> always, especially the immigration office at the airport, which is always fun. He's the dot in case you're wondering, okay? I don't think you can say Indian actually if you're Native American anymore. I think, no, that's I like, think it's off the table. you off the table now. That's right. Well, dude, thanks for joining us. You are an incredible man. If you don't know anything about Naroop, if you live in the Denver metro area, Naroop actually started his own church. How many years ago now? Almost four years ago. So, as of ago? this month, it's four years. Oh my gosh. That is crazy how time flies. So, it's exciting. Four years. His church is called Lifegate. They meet right now at Cherry Creek High, High School. School. Yep. And, dude, you guys are just blowing up in a good way. Like, every time I go there, it's just incredible. It's like the hipster vibe, you know? It's like if you're a sweet, like 20 something, is it a singles bar? Is that what I, we're seeing? <laughs> I think that our
1: average age is 26. So, whenever I meet some guys out somewhere, I'm like, hey, man, come to church. I'll have you married by Wednesday. <laughs>
0: Ha 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 ha! So we make a good team. So if you're a dude and you're looking to meet some ladies, I head out to his church. You'll love it. It's an incredible place. And so, dude, you're a 3 And I'm a three. You're a fellow three. I too am a three. And the three is called the achiever or the performer. And if you don't know anything about a three and if you're listening and you're like, man, what am I? First of all, you can go take a quiz. It's totally free. Google it. Just say Enneagram free quiz and take that. And Threes are success-oriented. They're image-conscious. They're wired for productivity, and their core motivation, it says, is the need to be or appear to be successful mm-hmm. and to avoid failure. And that's huge for us threes. One of the things that I'm going to do here, at Narup, is I'm going to read a list of tendencies or behaviors okay. that share a three, and then I want you to tell me, you know, maybe out of those, what really resonates with you. Okay. okay. So, audience, here is the description descriptions of a three. Here we go. It's important for me to come across as a winner. (laughs) That is so true. I love walking in a room and knowing I made a great first impression on the crowd. I could persuade Bill Gates to buy a Mac. The keys to my happiness are efficiency, productivity, and being acknowledged as the best. I don't like it when people slow me down. I know how to airbrush failure so it looks like success. I'd rather lead than follow any day. I'm competitive to a fault. I can find a way to win over and connect with just about anyone. I'm a world champion multitasker. I keep a close watch with how people are responding to me in the moment. It's hard for me to not take work along with me on vacation. My it's, wife would be saying amen to that <laughs> Amen one. to that one. It's hard for me to name or access my feelings. I'm not one to talk much about my personal life. Sometimes I feel like a phony. I love setting and accomplishing measurable goals. I like other people to know about my accomplishments. I like to be seen in the company of successful people. I don't mind cutting corners if it gets the job done more efficiently. And lastly, people say, I don't know how or when to stop working. All right. So as you listen to that, what part of that resonates with you? I mean, I think the entire thing
1: makes me cringe. And It all resonates with me. Every single one of those resonates with me. The never being able to turn off. I mean, I think the thing with the three is your mind is constantly working. You're constantly thinking, thinking, thinking. And I think the big keyword you hit on was success. The perception of success, which especially in our culture today with social media can make that look easier, but also be a burden at the same time and efficiency. If I can find a way to cut 30 seconds out of something, I will find a way. You can ask anyone on my staff, anyone on my team, I will find 30 seconds to cut out just to save us 30 seconds. So every one of those things resonates with me.
0: When I go to your church and I look at even just the teams that you have built, your systems are like flawless. Like other people go to you to figure out how do you work these systems, right? Because you're so efficient and so effective. I see that threeness come out of you. Even as I was reading these descriptions, you're like answering text messages, you know, going through, you're (laughs) like a king multitasker (laughs) through and through the threes coming out even in this moment.
1: Yeah. I think the hardest thing for a three is to slow down, to slow down, to be present in the moment. The struggle with the three is you could be in the room, in the conversation, and your heart and your head are a thousand miles away. I'm already into the next conversation, into the next season, onto the next book, onto the next resource I'm going through. So struggling to fight to be in the moment.
0: Oh man, I totally feel that way. The three, the seven, and the eight are the most aggressive, high energy types on all of the forms of the Enneagram. The three is just fast, right? It's like move or get out of the way. Like, yep. let's go. I'm going to run over you if you're too slow. Let's exactly. move it or lose it. So I totally feel that way. And how important is it for you when you talk about the image of success to always come across as a winner? How does that impact you?
1: Yeah, I would even put a slight twist on this. I think it's important for a three, especially like me, as I find this in my own soul and trying to fight against it. It's not so much that I hate failure. I hate the perception of failure. So if I fail on my own, which I do, I'll make a goal for myself and I won't achieve it. But it's okay because no one knows about it. But you have to have the perception of being successful, which means I have to have the perception of not failing at something. So you're always trying to create this sort of picture of, oh, he's got it together. What he's doing has it together. Everything looks good. And so I think that's just a difficult burden that you live with and trying to sort of fight against that because you don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. So trying to wrestle against that.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the elements of a three is this perception It talks about here, like sometimes I feel like a phony. Mm-hmm. And threes can sometimes feel like they're always on. You always feel like you have to perform. Yeah. You always feel like you have to make sure that you are looking your best. And they talk about the shadow side of a three is the deceiver. How does that resonate with you? Because for me, when I read that for the very first time from the book, The Road Back to You, it like read my mail. Yeah. I'm curious for yeah. you and I'll share more about from me. But How does that work for you? So I
1: think when you first hear the term deceiver, you think of a person that's lying or never telling the truth, and I don't think at all that's what it means by deceiver. I think threes, especially guys like you and I, are so good at convincing someone that we are deeper in the conversation than they think we are. I've seen this play out in my marriage. I've seen this play out with my children. I've seen this play out in leadership. I've seen this play out in my relationships. You and I could be sitting across from each other, and I could convince you just in conversation that we are... 10,000 feet deep and like bearing our souls our burdens are out on the table and you would think we were deep but I'm deceiving you by controlling the depth of the conversation and we're actually only an inch deep in the conversation because a three really struggles with this idea of man if they knew me would they still love me? Mm. If they knew me for who I am and not for my accomplishments and what I'm doing and what I can do for them, would they still love me? Would they still accept me? So the way we get around that is to deceive the conversation and to control the depth of the conversation. So in 11 years of marriage, I've seen this play out in relationships with people, my family, my siblings, my parents, and especially at work with my staff or leaders that I come across with and people I meet with every single day, relationships I have, I can see this play out so
0: easily oh my gosh that is so three right like the real question of us threes is can you love the real me exactly <laughs> not the image you have of me but like who i really am and sometimes as a three i even wonder who i am yeah that's the tension
1: is will you love me for who i am like
0: okay well matt who are you i don't know like and then okay, i start well, defining all the things that i
1: do yep remember that Eminem song from a couple years ago will the real slim shady please stand, stand up? up yeah i kind of feel like that sometimes too like hey will the real Naruto, please stand up Because threes are so good, and I can enter into any conversation. Like I'm convinced that I can go into any room, and I don't care if it's country club, guys dressed in suits, play golf. I'm not really good at golf, but I can convince you I'm good at golf. Or it could be on a basketball court in the middle of the city, or it could be in a business center, or it could be in a ministry, it could be in relationship, whatever it might be. We're so good. We're so good at sort of being chameleon-ish almost. We can adapt to any situation, we can adapt to any situation. And so because of that, there's this struggle of, well, I can kind of relate to everybody. I can be friends with everyone in this room. Who actually am I, given the choice Which one would I choose? Who would I choose to be with? Who would I choose to hang out with? Who would I choose to call my people? So I think that's a struggle for us to kind of figure out. Wow,
0: that's so true. So the threes, like the two and the four, are in the triad called the feeling or heart triad, which again, the triad is kind of the way that you take on and relate to life from the heart. Again, we're more image conscious than other numbers. And so the two focuses outwardly on their feelings of others. Threes, you know, have trouble recognizing their own feelings. I wonder if I sometimes don't necessarily have feelings as much as I do feelings. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like I know what feeling the room needs and I'll bring that feeling and that emotion to it like a chameleon in any way to be able to perform. Mm Do you feel that way?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think you spot on. You can do feelings well. You can read the room. I think three sometimes have a hard time reading individuals but are great at reading the room. Okay, this room really needs to be energized. This room really needs to be brought down. And so we're really
0: good at figuring that out and then playing that role really well. I remember one time my wife, she said to me, we were in a conflict. She said, Matt, you seem to know all the right words to say, but you've left your heart at the door. She was like reading through my performance when you're married to someone long enough. They can start calling the BS for what it is sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and she and called she's, me she's out. a wise one, she is. And I was like, I don't even know what are my feelings. I was yeah. almost scared to go there. I'm like, I feel I mean, you know, and especially maybe because I'm a man, you know, guys don't have any less feelings than women. I just don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And oh all God. of our
1: feelings can be solved with bacon.
0: So <laughs> give me some bacon and like, I, I feel happy. Suddenly I'm feeling great. Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, I remember for me, when I started thinking about my threeness and when i read the words deceiver for me i literally so a lot of threes and as you said it's not necessarily that you're always lying it's that maybe you're not telling the whole truth right or you're leaving parts out you're omitting some things Mm -hmm. or you're expanding the truth beyond what it really is or maybe you're talking about this great win you once had but you're acting like it was yesterday when really it was 10 years ago right
1: the glory days
0: For me, I remember one day I had this breathing issue. I was in sixth grade and I had to go to the doctor. I went to the ER and I was embarrassed because the next day I couldn't go to class. And then I knew everybody was going to ask me like, oh, Matt, what happened? And I was embarrassed to be able to say, well, I had breathing issues (laughs) and now I'm the kid that everybody gets to make fun of. So instead, I went to everybody, to my classmates. And oh my gosh, I was so quick to be like, I got to protect myself from any kind of shame. Mm -hmm and threes deal with shame big time. So I was like, okay, I told people that I was a second degree black belt in ninjutsu, <laughs> which I only later to find out that I meant to say jujitsu. But once you commit, you got to go ninjitsu. all out. <laughs> so I was. I, have, I own a Nintendo and a ninjutsu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I said that I was in the finals, right? Naturally. And I got kicked in the chest. So I had to go to the <laughs> ER and there I am. And that was the way to protect myself. And the problem was it worked. <laughs> and I became the most probably popular kid in school. And everybody was like, don't mess with Matt. Oh my gosh. And I just fed off of the energy and the attention of other people. And my three, I felt like just got birth. And so from there, I started lying to cover up lies, to cover up lies, to yep. cover up lies. And it wasn't even just the lie. I actually became the persona. I became the lie. Like I performed. And this went on, Narub, not for like a year or two. It was one for three years. Man. All the way through high school. All the way through junior high, sixth grade to ninth grade. In ninth grade, I got found out and that was the worst, best day of my life. Begin get to fight in the playground? <laughs> like this kid sucks at ninjutsu. No, here's what happens. One of the kids, so in ninth grade, we were still in junior high. And one of my good friends, he was super smart. So he got to go up to the high school to take high school classes in the morning. Well, he met my brother who was two and a half years older. And he was like, oh, are you in like ninjutsu like Matt? You know, and my brother's like, what are you talking about? Matt's <laughs> Matt's never done any of that before in his whole life. And there was the moment where everything unraveled. And when I was reading about the three, about the deceiver in childhood of where that came from like for me that's where it dates back for you i'm curious from a childhood perspective like any ideas of when you started seeing your threeness started to come out (laughs) yeah so
1: i actually my parents put me in boarding school when i was six i wasn't a bad kid or anything like that but my parents were doing a lot of traveling missions work my dad was a pastor in india and so they put my brother and i in boarding school And so at six, I sort of recognized that, hey, if I just cry all the time and I'm just homesick, like I'm going to get beat up every day. So I have to figure out how to be the most likable person in our dorm. So, I mean, think about essentially I went to college, the college experience as a six-year-old. Parents dropped me off. I'm in boarding school and I'm at six years old. I didn't have the space as a six-year-old child or through my adolescence to be able to have emotions that were then sort of not catered to, but... I never had a space for emotions to be accepted. So my sons now, my seven-year-old son, my eight-year-old son, we give them the space to respond, whether it's anger or sadness or sorrow or joy. And so as parents, we want to cultivate a home where they're able to express emotions. So I never had a place to express my emotions because I was terrified that I'm going to get beat up and I'm going to get made fun of and I don't have my parents to help me or support me or defend me. And so I learned at six how to be really good at networking. I was never popular for popular sake. I try to become popular by knowing everybody and being able to make the connections with Mm -hmm. people, which I still love to this day. I love networking. I love being able to connect people with people. And I think that's in a healthy way now, unlike when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, all the way through 13, 14. So I don't know if there was a moment that it happened in adolescence, but I think it was sort of the entire time in my adolescence learning how to play the part and the persona. And so, you know, I had friends that wanted to do theater. like, oh, I'll do theater because I love theater. I don't really like theater, but my friends did. So I was like, oh, I should do that. And then there was athletics. I'll do athletics. And then I think the only thing I actually liked for myself were books, so I would go to the library every day, sit in a corner, be left alone and just read books. And I think reading sort of alone was the only time I ever felt like I was myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have anyone around me where I had to perform for or put on some sort of like what you said, persona. Mm-hmm. And that started when I was six. And I think that has carried through all of my adolescence, high school, college, post-college, and even now in my mid-30s learning how to live a healthy three and not as an unhealthy three.
0: Yeah. And for those of you who are listening, remember the way that you find your type is not necessarily by the tendencies that you share, but by the motivation behind mm-hmm. why you do what you do. And for us, the appearance of being successful, the appearance of making sure that we're avoiding failure, you know, needing to at least peer that way is kind of that motivation that we're on top and not yeah. just even average, but we're the best. Exactly. We want to be the best. And the hard part about being
1: a three when it comes to success or achievement, I would use that word achievement, is there's no level where you feel like you've achieved. You can always do better. So if someone said, hey, do you want to go climb the Manitou Incline? Like, yeah, sure, let's go do it. So let's say it took me 45 minutes, which let's be honest, it would probably take me three and a half days. But if I did it in 45 minutes, I would think, man, I wonder if I could have done that in 35. So I'll try it again. Let's say I did it in 35. I think, I wonder if I could have done it in 35 carrying a grown man on my back. So there's always this (laughs) next level of, I wonder if I could do this and I wonder if I could do this. So that's difficult as a three because not only are you pursuing constant success, there's no actual point where you feel like you've hit success.
0: Oh, totally. And for those of you who don't live in Denver and you're like, what's the Manitou Incline? That is a mile and a quarter straight Straight up up incline that people take and people do this by their own free yeah. will. It's, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's totally brutal. And it takes about three miles of switchbacks to go back. A lot of the Olympians go and train yep. there. So that's what he's talking about. But incredible stuff. You know, when you look at, in every single episode, we talk about healthy, average, and unhealthy types. And you're a very healthy three, but let me just kind of, for our audience, help them understand kind of some of the differences. And again, those of you who are listening, remember you can swing like a pendulum from healthy to unhealthy in a single day, you know, depending on the topic. And so healthy threes, and that's the goal, they have transcended from just looking good to being known and love for who they really are, not for what they accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that's the big question. It's like, am I loved by what I do? And so that's the notion or the story we tell ourselves from early childhood. And so healthy threes realize, no, 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 who you are is bigger than that. And even the word personality comes from the Greek word persona, which means mask. (laughs) And so you're bigger than your type. And so healthy threes, they still love to set goals, all right? And they rise to the challenge, but their self-worth isn't tied to those things. So they try to balance their abundant energy between work and rest and play and some kind of contemplative spirit spiritual practice, which I think for you is that reading thing that I think is really beautiful. It brings you down. And they recognize the importance of being instead of doing. And they feel valuable which releases a tender benevolence that is focused on the common good for other people. So that's a healthy three. Then an average three, they push achieving to overachieving (laughs) and they spend too much time, you know, at work or at the gym or whatever. They're very driven people, which again is a very good thing, but it can teeter-totter. Our biggest strengths can become our greatest weaknesses when they're unhealthy. And so their need to perform extends into every area of life. I mean, coaching their kids' soccer team or whatever it is, you know, volunteering at church or whatever, you know, they need something to be earned so they learn what other people value as success and then we just strive to do more and do it better than everyone else And so threes are very confident. They're confident in their abilities. At least they project that, (laughs) their ability. And so they're very image conscious. They're constantly worrying that a poor performance will cause them to lose standing in other people's eyes. I'm just curious for you, like you speak almost every week. You travel around the country. People are constantly asking you to speak on stage. You're in front of hundreds of thousands of people all the time. Do you ever wonder like, oh my God, like what if my sermon isn't a home run? What if my message, what if my lesson isn't, you know, the best? How does that rate on you from a teacher Yeah, so in an
1: unhealthy sense, that's really bad, right? Where you're constantly worried about how someone is receiving the message rather than are you fully giving it in the best way possible? Have I put in the best study possible? Is it more about what can I bring and deliver or is it more about... How is this going to be received? Are they going to like me? Was it as good as last week? And I think the thing that set me free was just to know that you cannot hit a home run every single week. You just can't do it. Base
0: hits get runs too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know,
1: you just cannot hit a home run. And you feel like I got to hit a home run. I got to hit a home run. And then the sort of pressure starts to build. You get Facebook messages and emails and text messages. Hey, are you speaking this week? I'm bringing a friend. Are you doing this this week? And I understand why they're saying that. Yeah. And I admire that and I respect that and I like that. I think it's great. But there's also a pressure that can be put on like, oh my gosh, I got to bring it more. I got to do better than I am. And so I try to live in the tension of I'm going to study as hard as I can. I'm going to pray as hard as I can. I'm going to prepare as best as I can. And then sort of the old adage, let the chips fall where they may Mm. and just let it go. And so I've learned and I'm learning. I wouldn't say I'm fully there. But I'm learning how not to let someone else's response dictate whether or not I thought I did a good job and successful. Because the one thing you'll find is that if people really like what you did, they're less likely to tell you that. But if they really hated what you did, oh, they'll for sure tell you. Hmm. Like you get far more critics than you get praise. Yes. You know? That's and so point. you're like, man, did anyone like it? Did anyone like it? So if no one said anything, I'm like, okay, that was good. No one said anything. That was good. And if people start saying stuff, you're like, man, that wasn't as good as I thought it would be. But I think when I'm unhealthy, I lean in that direction. Mm. I'm going towards what do they think? What do they think? What do they think? Yeah. This is where my wife is amazing. My wife is a born encourager and she will encourage, encourage. And sometimes it's to the point where like, Hannah, I don't know what you're trying to do, but this isn't even working. Like all these nice things you're saying about me, just tell me how bad it was. Tell me what I need to fix how I need to fix it. And in coaching, if you were coaching me, I'd be like, Matt, tell me. I don't need to know what I'm doing good. Tell me the four things that I suck at and how I need to make it better. And let me just make it better. And I think that's unhealthy.
0: it's
1: unhealthy to do that. You want to grow in your strengths and then where are some areas you need to grow in if you're struggling in some areas where you need to grow. So I try to not let those things
0: affect my day-to-day anymore. Yeah, it's a great growth area. You know, we talked about healthy. We talked about average. Here's what unhealthy threes look like. Unhealthy threes find failure unacceptable. And so even if they did fail, they will not tell themselves they failed. They'll respin it <laughs> in a different way. But failure is part of life Mm -hmm. and facing the music and saying, I failed. Now, yes, failure is an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And yes, we can fail forward, but also just saying, hey, I failed. Unhealthy threes won't admit failure or mistake, and they end up causing themselves to behave as though they're superior to other people as well. Like, look at me, I'm better than you. We may not say that out loud, but sometimes we feel that. And then unhealthy threes are desperate for attention and they will turn, I think, to that deadly sin of deceit. And so, and uh, fear. I
1: mean, live in the fear of. No one loves me. No one likes me. If I don't bring it today, I won't be accepted. I won't be needed. I won't be wanted. So living in that fear is so unhealthy.
0: Yeah. So they'll do like what I did at sixth grade. They'll tell fabricated stories of themselves and how awesome they are. And then at their worst, they can be just downright pretty mean and vengeful. Now, here's the deal. Threes, especially in our media-centered world, is probably the most coveted number on all the Enneagram. Yeah. I mean, it's what people want, right? If you're on social media, if you're on Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter, you know, Facebook or whatever it is, it's like you can perform. And it's probably the most coveted thing. Like, oh my gosh, only if I could be that way. But it's also probably one of our most detrimental factors we have. It's one of our biggest gifts in living in the United States, at least, but it's also probably one of our biggest areas. I know Ian Cron, he once said, being a three is like being an alcoholic living above a bar. Yeah, I mean, gosh, with social media, that is a great quote. It's like, it's insane, you know, and so for you and threes, especially if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm learning. I am a three. Threes do really well with performance oriented careers, mm-hmm. right? Being on stage speaking, you know, I have a podcast here, you know, all these kind of things. These are good things we can help. We can contribute. But what would you say to people who are maybe like on the verge of like, I'm kind of an unhealthy three and I want to take a step forward. Any next steps you would give to a three?
1: Yeah. So here's some practical things I would say if you're a three especially when it comes to this area of social media. One, if by any means necessary, you cannot have your phone next to you throughout the day, especially when you wake up in the morning. Because the thing about an unhealthy three, I mean, all threes have this, but if you're an unhealthy three, you are overly competitive. And it's not necessarily like you want to win the next card game, but you're competing with people you don't even know who are sometimes in the same industry as you. They're not even your competition, but pastors do this all the time. Churches, we're competing with other churches. I'm like, We're on the same team. We're both on Team Jesus here, guys. Like, we're on the same team, but you are competing with them. So if you can go to bed and wake up with your cell phone not next to you, and so the first thing you're not looking at is what your competition did last night or how well they're doing. And so I think one practical thing I would encourage you to do is not have your phone next to you. Get rid of your phone. And then if you can sense in your spirit, man, I'm in competition with Matt. I'm in competition with this person or that person. If you are a believer like I am, I want to pray for those people. And I think who you pray for is who you begin to love. Like my heart goes out to you. I want to pray for your success. But if it's not a situation like that, stop following them. Mm -hmm. Stop following them because you're not really following them to learn anything or to gain insight. You're following them to wait for them to fail. And then to make yourself feel better about how you're doing compared to them. So take any measurement of how you compare yourself to others, Mm. other organizations, other individuals, other people in your same industry, and stop following them. And develop yourself. Learn to develop yourself. And then I would say find a healthy three to hang out with. There's almost nothing worse than two unhealthy threes hanging out together. I mean, two unhealthy eights will just yell at each other until one of them dies (laughs) because the other one sucked all the oxygen out of the room. But two unhealthy threes... Is so bad because they will just criticize and criticize and criticize, and there's just no getting out of it. So, if you are an unhealthy three, find yourself a healthy three who can give you insight, who can give you coaching, who can speak into you. So, you know, after church, you come and hang out with your wife. When you leave, Your text message to me about Sunday, even the things that you see that could be done better, I receive it so much better because I know you're a healthy three. You want best for me. You're not competing with me. You want what's best for me. And you have a way of seeing things, the same things that I'm looking for. I don't need a peacemaker telling me or number one or number six telling me how something should go. I need someone else who's a healthier version of me helping me see things I don't see. So when you send me those text messages those are huge. And I take those back to our team. I encourage our team with them. Like, here's some things that my friend saw because I know that you're looking for the same things I'm looking for. Yeah. But it's sort of like you come in your house and you think it's normal. Someone comes in and is like, what's that smell? Like, what do you mean? What's that smell? It's like always smelled this way. And your friend's like, yeah, it smells terrible because <laughs> you're just sort of used to it, right? You're just used to what it smells like. So find yourself a healthy number of you
0: And let that person invest in you. I knew I should start wearing deodorant, man. I'm going to get on that. That's amazing. Okay, so do you find yourself as a three with people who are like in your industry that are doing way better than you? Like how do you connect? Are you insecure? I mean, you're a healthy three, so you're probably not as insecure. But like do you find that that's been a challenge for you? And then when people are below you, do you find yourself being prideful when you're unhealthy?
1: I think when you're unhealthy, you will not look for help. You will look to criticize other people. You will look to see what they're doing wrong. You will look to see them fail. A healthy three, and I feel like I'm a fairly healthy three, constantly growing. And as you know, there's never a point, whether it's your marriage, your leadership, your influence, your life, your parenting, where you've reached the place. You're constantly wanting to grow. And so I hope that I'm constantly wanting to grow. But I love, I love listening to guys who are threes. I want to listen to what Michael Hyatt says. He's a three. He's 65. He's 30 years older than me. Is it possible that he's learned some things in 30 years? and he's highly successful that I could pick up on, then I want to learn from that. I want to learn from other guys who are a couple steps ahead of me and get that. And probably outside of preaching, teaching, leadership, I love helping people. I would actually argue that my greatest passion outside of preaching and teaching is to help other people achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve. Oh. And so if you're trying to achieve anything, and I don't care what number you are, I love coming alongside of you, helping you create the strategy the goals, the ideas. Now, I'm a terrible manager of people. I'm horrible at managing people. I don't want to hold you accountable. I want to trust that you're doing what your job is, that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. But if I can come alongside of you and help you get to that place and then check up on you and encourage you, I get more joy out of that, helping you achieve your goal than me achieving my own goal, Hmm. which is really tough when you're married to a four or a nine who don't even know what goals are. (laughs) Goal? Cool, what's that? Oh, and I, I could tell you stories, stories of marriage disputes, you know, where my wife is like, hey, I don't need you to be my CEO right now. I don't need you to be mm. the chief operating officer, you know, just be my husband. And So I have stories for days I could tell you about that.
0: Well, what do healthy threes look like then in relationships with other people, given that we're so task oriented or goal oriented? I think a
1: healthy three is looking to help anyone achieve what they're looking to achieve. And it may not necessarily be a goal. So someone might just be looking to achieve being listened to. Mm. So how do I just be available to listen to them? Someone might be just looking for a friend or looking for advice, looking for counsel, looking for someone to sit with them. Threes have a really hard time when other people are going through sort of deep, emotional, vulnerable times in their life, loss, pain, struggle, Because we just want to solve it. Let's just solve the issue and get to the next season. And so a healthy three is able to sit with people and not have to give them the advice of where to go, Mm -hmm. not lay out the strategy, but just sort of sit in the reality of where they are. Hmm. Say, we're just going to sit here and we're not going to try to get through it. We're just going to sit here and let the work take its time. So I think that's what a healthy three does. An unhealthy three is constantly trying to fix whatever it is needs to be fixed. Yeah. At the expense of everyone around them. So an unhealthy three is looking to use everyone to sort of grow their own success. I think a healthy three, and what I'm trying to do with our staff and our team and our churches, how do we maximize everyone's best, what everyone brings to the table, maximize everyone's individual good for the collective good of the
0: group? Gosh, that is so well said. As a three, I so resonate with trying to use people. For my own agenda, right? They're like cogs in a wheel when I'm unhealthy. And I remember for me, even with my own teams, I would say like, okay, I would tell myself this every week: Matt, your first task is relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm so task oriented. I'm so driven. I'm so fast, and I just want to like help people get into my thing or whatever. And so that's an incredible insight for those who are like, hey. I feel like I'm kind of an unhealthy three and I want to grow to become that way. That is amazing.
1: Another tip I would tell people is slow down your conversation. You could ask my staff. I would come into staff meetings on Mondays and I have to meet on Mondays. I know people that do their staff meetings on Tuesdays. I'm like, why? You've lost a day. Now you're already behind. Start on Monday. And I would come in and sort of just obliterate them with information of what needs to be done and go, 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 go. And I've learned by listening to other threes, by reading books from other threes and leaders, on how to okay the first week of the month we talk about this and the second week is this and the third week is this and so keep them in task but don't just obliterate them with information Mm -hmm. and so slowing down the pace of the conversation i've learned with my wife and relationships that threes can enter into any conversation at any time and be ready to go but most people are not like that Mm -hmm. most people need to know what the conversation is to get mentally prepared emotionally prepared sometimes just get the information prepared And so with my wife, I'm learning and we're learning how to have the conversation about when the conversation is going to happen. So, hey, on Wednesday, can we set aside time to talk about this? Next week, can we talk about this? And setting that and giving them the space, especially for my wife who needs this space because she has a hundred things going on with our kids and work and home and all these kind of things, giving her the space to be able to be ready for that, giving my staff and team the time to be ready for that instead of just saying, well, I'm ready to go. Why aren't you ready to go? Right. Because my mind is at a million miles an hour. I soak up so much content with what I'm reading. So I'm always on to the next thing, next thing, next thing. So the challenge is, okay, I've received good information. Now pause, slow down, wait. Let the team catch up to you. You know, I think that's what a good leader does. A good leader sets the pace, but a good leader also makes sure that he's not outpacing everyone else, that you're keeping them close to you, you know? And so learning how to do that is a challenge, as your teams get bigger As the church gets bigger, as the organization gets bigger, as our family gets bigger, learning how to do that is a process Mm -hmm. and slowing down.
0: It's a good thought. And for those of you who are listening who are young leaders in organizations, especially early 20s, if you're a three, you're going to be so excited to give an answer when your boss asks you a question. You're going to want to pipe up right away and be able to give all the best answers. But usually what you find is the best leaders are the last to speak. They'll be the first to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And so don't be so excited to be able to jump out you know, and give all the answers right away, which is okay to give answers, but be a student mm-hmm. over a teacher first and then give your answer. You'll yep. find that influence will continue to Gain favor for you as the years and months go on. So we've talked a lot about the shadow side of a three. What do you just love about being a three personally?
1: I love networking. I love connecting people. People are so surprised with the number of people or circles I run in. And it's because I love meeting people, which is odd because I'm kind of an introvert, but I love meeting people. And so I love bouncing around from conversation to conversation, being active and connecting different people. Mm. I'm not an expert in everything, but if I know person A is really trying to do something and my friend is an expert in that thing, I want to make that connection mm. and I want to help them in this connection. As I'm growing more in my influence, I'm becoming a little bit more careful about how I'm making those connections and not just connecting people without fully trusting another person's motivation or knowing them a little bit more before I make those connections, but I love connecting. This is what's weird. I'm actually quite introverted. I could walk into a crowded room and I know I could talk to everyone, but I don't feel the need that I have to. Mm. I'd be totally fine. When my wife and I go to parties, she's talking to everyone and I'm finding the food and I'm just standing by the food. I'm just eating all the snacks and I'm totally (laughs) fine by myself eating snacks. Totally fine with it. Doesn't bother me. But I do love speaking in front of people. There's a nervousness that I get before I go up, but I love speaking in front of people. I love communicating information. I love teaching. I love teaching in front of people. And I tell people, especially for threes, man, the stage is intoxicating. There is no drug like being on stage for a three. 100%. So be very careful about your motivation. Constantly be checking. your motivation, constantly be observing what is my motivation in this and surrendering that motivation and making sure that you have a pure motivation in going up because you can easily manipulate and use people. And I never want to do that. I don't want my heart to be like that. I don't want my leadership to be like that or my influence. So I love communicating to people. I love giving them things that I'm learning. And as a three, I love learning. I love learning. I am a ferocious reader. I mean, it's probably idolatrous, the amount of books that I read. (laughs) I love reading. At any given time, I'm reading multiple books and I have goals of when I need to finish those books and lines that I memorize from those books. So I love learning. I love learning the amount of articles I'm reading, books I'm reading, blogs I'm reading. I just love learning. And sometimes just for myself, not even the need to teach, just to know to be constantly fed and growing. I love that. I love being an expert in my field. One of the things that probably bothers me the most is when people in any industry are not experts in their field. Like I don't care what you do. I don't care if you are a leadership coach or you are an auto mechanic or a teacher or you're a pastor or you're a counselor. Be an expert in your field. Don't just tell me the theories from 1980. Tell me what's working now. Tell me what's working 200 years ago that could be adapted to now. And so I love as a three, my staff can tell you this. It probably annoys them to be honest. That I'm constantly researching every single position in the church and knowing, okay, this is what they used to do here and this they used to do here. And so constantly learning about those things. And so I love research. I love finding those things. I love finding out what's working in different parts of the world and different communities and how do we adapt that to our context. And you have to be careful, but you can also research things to death. And you can also make people feel like they are not valued because they may not research at the speed at which mm-hmm. you research. So you want to live in that tension of I read faster and I process information faster. It doesn't make anyone on my team or our staff our leadership less valuable because they bring a ton of strengths to the table that I don't bring. Yeah, And we want our team to not look like a bunch of me's.
0: For sure. One of the things that I love about your threeness is your teaching. Like when I go and I listen to you speak, Because you're healthy, you are hilarious as you're just being you, you know, you are deep, you know, your insight and your depth of teaching. I can tell that you have done the work of being an expert in your field or on that topic. And yet there's a humility that is coupled with that confidence that I think is a tension to manage, you know, and you do it. There's an authenticity that you bring to the table. And again, if you guys live in Denver, you got to go check it out. Watch Naroop do this. Teaching is performing. Yeah, it is. And so there's an element of that. And that's what makes it fun and engaging. And if you're not fun and engaging, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like you have a gift. Someone once said to me, Matt, laughter leads to listening. Yeah, that's good. And there is a moment of you like the way that you just like diffuse the audience, especially for those people who are like, God, I haven't set foot into a church in forever. (laughs) You know, like, is this for me? Or I don't know, like, there is this comfort that you have. And yet, you don't water anything down. You don't apologize for being you. And you just go after it. And I just feel like there's a juxtaposition there that is so beautiful as a three that is just like, Oh, my gosh, I learned from you as a communicator from that way. And I think that's one of your superpowers as a three. So, Pretty cool. I'm curious. So we talk about, and people who have been following this podcast now understand that each number has three other numbers that Mm -hmm. they go to. One is called their wing. And a three goes to either a four or a two. So either the helper or the romantic or individualist. So where do you go to? What's your wing? So
1: my wing is the four.
0: The four. And how does that express itself. And we're going to talk more about the four next week. So fours,
1: like three wing fours, highly productive. We can multitask and finish a bunch of things at once. We can also, if we're unhealthy, we're really good at starting a bunch of stuff and finishing absolutely nothing. Nothing. (laughs) So a productive three wing four actually knows how to finish what he started or finish what she started. So I lean to a four, which in an unhealthy way can become very individualistic. Shut the door, leave me alone. Don't talk to me. And so the way I combat that is I actually, even something as simple as my study habits, I don't study anymore on a given day. I know a lot of communicators who take Wednesday, I just study all day. I study every day of the week and I study with an open office. So I literally leave my office door open and people can come in and come Mm. out. And I actually find those to be really healthy. It gives me a mental break. It allows me to practice what I'm teaching a hundred times. I'm having conversations about what I'm going to teach. They don't know that. But I'm able to see how it lands with people. Hmm. So I lean to the production. And so being able to manage my day and finish a bunch of things and tax them well and actually be productive is important for me
0: it's huge i too am a three wing four and my fourness comes out when i speak and do stage i love pithy language i love sticky phrases there's a creativity in teaching to help make complex things sticky is like i love that i love beauty that's why i think i love golf courses i suck at golf but i (laughs) love being on the golf course you know like drinking a beer hanging out with some friends and like seeing the beauty like my four comes out in that way four are very creative. They love beauty. And so
1: yeah, I could totally see that if I wasn't preaching and teaching, I would probably be making films all day. Yeah, I love film, we work. love film, work. I love film, work. and I love every part of it. I love the filming. I love the editing. I could sit in an editing room for hours looking at a single shot and figuring out how to color it right. And so as you know, all that creative stuff takes time, don't have as much time as I wish I did to do those things. Mm-hmm. But if I wasn't teaching and leading every single week, I'd probably just be making videos in my mom's basement. (laughs) That sounded really bad.
0: It could be my own basement. (laughs) we'll go with your moms that's amazing you know I so resonate with the productivity factor I'm a three wing four as well and people say Matt you get more done in a day than people do in a week we just love that efficiency effectiveness Mm -hmm. I love that part of a three three wing twos love the stage even more yeah there's the stars they want I think Madonna's a three wing two they want to be famous so three wing twos are like I don't want to just be the best I want to be famous and everybody loves me I want to have fans right so they really come out so big stuff now the The other numbers that we share together are the stress response, so meaning where we go when we're stressed, which for us is the nine. And when we're secure, we go to the six. So the nine is the peacemaker, which we've already heard from this podcast. The six, we haven't got there yet. It's the loyalist. Can you unpack just real quick like how you go in stress and security? Yeah,
1: so when I'm stressed, I do go to a nine. I go to a peacemaker. The thing with being a three is we're not afraid of confrontation. Now, when people hear confrontation, I think they automatically think of the guy that comes in the room and just starts barking orders at everyone. I don't mean that. I mean, just the ability to like, hey, let's get this out on the table and let's dialogue about this. And I think when I'm stressed, I will lean to wanting to make sure everyone is okay and everyone's happy and wanting to hear everyone's viewpoints. And so I lean towards that when I'm stressed and try to be the mediator in the middle to make sure no one is flipping out, no one's left behind, no one's, you know feeling like they're not being heard or listened to. And that can be a challenge, but I lean to it. And when I'm really secure, it's, what do you call the six? Some people call it the questioner. Some people call it the loyalist. the loyalist. Yeah. So I go to that when I'm feeling secure. I love being people's friends and I will go to bat for you. I will have your back. And I sort of want that at the same time from people. And so as a six, I will... Be ferocious in guarding our friendship, our relationship, the thing that we are collectively working towards and protecting it. And so I want to make sure that we are there and we're focused on staying on task and staying on what we're trying to do, which when you combine all these things can be a challenge, right? Because a three wants to go, 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 go. But a secure three knows when to push and when to say, hey, we have to slow down. And even my staff can tell you, I'm saying it all the time now. This doesn't sound like me, but I'm telling you slow and steady progress. And they're looking at me like, who is this guy? We've never heard these words come out of your mouth, slow and (laughs) steady. But that's where I want to go because I'm secure in who our team is. I'm secure in where we're supposed to go and what we're called to do and what we're called to shape. And so I want to fiercely guard that and stay focused on what we're trying to Mm
0: -hmm. do. I love how you never stay complacent. You're always growing. You're always the next challenge. There's always the next adventure. That's a beautiful part of the three. So, Nauru, thank you so much for being on this podcast. And so for those of you who, again, again, are wondering, oh my gosh, am I three? Or this sounds like someone I know. Please share this podcast. You can review it as well. Thanks for being on this podcast, buddy. Yeah.
1: Anytime, man. I'll just say one quick thing to your audience is we're human beings. We're not robots. And so do the actual work and read about all the personalities. Take the test, read all of them because you're not a robot. You will have a little bit of everything, but you'll kind of default to one and really do the work and ask, why am I this way? What are the things that shaped me? And then what's the roadmap to become healthy? Because ultimately, this is about emotional health, spiritual health, relational health. So how do you become the healthiest version of you and learn the patterns to continue in that health as you continue to grow older in life?
0: You heard it from the man. Next week, we will be doing the four type on the Enneagram. So, root, love you, bro. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.